Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project and the exhibition coordinator for Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration, which is now open at the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Please take a look. Hi, I'm Seth Rodney. I am the former senior critic at Hyperallergic and former opinions editor and now an independent arts writer. And I'm coming to you from Newburgh, where it is 57 degrees today. However, tomorrow it will climb to 97, believe it or not. Mm. Whoa. Hallelujah. What's going on. And humid, yes? Yeah? I mean, that, that's, is it... Well, I mean, you know, at 97 degrees, it, the rest is just details. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, I think it's so much worse when it's the humid, dry heat at 97. I mean, I don't like it, but I would take that over in the city is pretty humidity. Might be but different you know, though the, in Newburgh, though. But the point is that yeah. it's it's literally leaping 40 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right, like right, what? Right, right. Well, yeah. um, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and I think we're talking about two things today. Uh, one of them might just kind of be uh, perfunctory because we said we would kind of wrap up the conversation because I think um, I don't know that any of us have. Uh, it, I mean, I could be wrong not to speak for Seth or Stephen, but I don't think there's a lot more to say about it. But we did specifically say, because we were kind of in the thick of it when we were talking about abortion mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast. So sometimes when that happens, we go like, well, let's pick it up next week. And then, you know, of course, like a week goes by and you're like, I, I don't really care what, you know, it was whatever I was worked up yeah. about at that time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Two weeks. Um, so, but we did say we would we would uh, f- finish up the conversation. So um, we wanted to to carry through with that uh, before we transition to Jordan Peterson, um, kind of generally, but more specifically, <laughs> a, a recent incident that I'm going to let uh, Seth or Stephen describe. So um, before we do that, um, Seth or Stephen, um, anything that you wanted to add to the discussion last week or two weeks ago? I'm sorry. About the abortion yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wanted to add that um, we had left off on this note where you had made the point, Travis, that the progressive left was essentially in trouble because, I mean, not just in terms of Roe v. Wade likely being overturned, but in trouble because the principle upon which they had stood was essentially no principle because when it came to vaccine mandates, they had, and 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 I, I think you're generalizing here, but I think you're right. Um, they generally had um, progressive voices that generally uh, opted for supporting vaccine mandates, um, regardless of people's fears, rational or not, about getting vaccinated. And now those same progressive leaders were in a position of saying, my body, my choice, or supporting that right. being said publicly mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. face of Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I mm-hmm. want to say, um, I, I, I was uncomfortable with that when we were talking about it, and, and I've had, since had time to, to really reflect on it. And I think part of my problem is that... I, I, is that a part of my 
disagreement is that I think you're conflating or confusing a slogan with a principle. And I think part of why that's happening is that you are such a principled person mm-hmm. that for you, the philosophical position is not uh, an arbitrary one, nor is it one of convenience. Like you, you, you believe in what you're saying, but I think when the slogan, my body and my choice was used before by, again, people we are identifying as progressive. I don't know that that is as fundamentally a philosophical or principled position for them as it might be for you. I think that there's a difference between using a slogan and being uh, committed to a particular Mm -hmm. cause. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that in this case, uh, I I think if you talk to, and and here I I think we're suffering from from not having someone who we would all identify as a kind of progressive voice here, sort of laying out what their position is. But I imagine that they would say that, yeah, that's all well and good uh, to say that in the midst of a global pandemic, but there has to be, there has to be caveats. There have to be qualifiers in that case because nothing operates, almost nothing operates as it does typically in those limit situations. So it's very possible. Again, I understand this is a, you, your, your position was, uh, and is, I imagine, that uh, uh, it's precisely when the limit situations occur that are the real test for whether the principle is such or it's just a, 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 a kind of position of convenience. Mm-hmm. Totally get that. But I imagine that people would say, uh, progressive people would, would say, um, no, that's not the case. The case is, um, the, on the one hand, you have this pandemic, and which, which requires us to take these very rational, concrete steps to mm-hmm. protect as many of us as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, you have what is actually a very private concern, which, which, and a, a choice which does not materially affect anyone else besides the woman who is pregnant, and her partner. Um, materially affect. Like, sure, it has some sort of philosophical effect for people who are um, born-again Christians and who think that life is so, a conception and this abortion is murdering babies. But mm-hmm. but that that action on the part of that individual does not actually impinge on their lives. Um. So I agree with the initial, um, well, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I think it's a, an interesting point to say not to uh, equate a slogan with a principle. Um, I, I, that's a, I, I think that is an interesting um, critique uh, to bring to bear when it comes to people who are pro-choice. Because it... it it is rhetorical. It, the mm. entire edifice is rhetorical, and it is not based on principle, which I I feel like actually supports my point. And 
I think this has been this has been this has been a war of rhetorics and a war of political positions and not a war of principles. And that the global pandemic, because I the, the the shape of the question, as I recall it, was specifically around a vaccine that does not benefit the community. The, the vaccine has a private benefit and does not stop the spread of COVID-19. And you, I think we all concede that now. I, I, it was obvious early on. I know you said we didn't know that at the beginning, but I knew it pretty early on. And I'm not an epidemiologist. I just looked into it and didn't accept every screaming headline at the New York Times mm-hmm. or CNN telling me that the sky was falling. Mm-hmm. So I actually clicked on the links. And this is not directed at you, but this is, I'm saying this is directed mm. at at it's not that we didn't know for two years. You you just had to put some effort into figuring out what the evidence was actually saying. Now, most people don't have that time. Most people don't have the training or the interest to do that. That's fine. I, I don't, I'm not judging any of that. But there actually wasn't, the, the vaccine did not protect, the, we're not talking about a polio vaccine, which by the way, did not need to be mandated, but let's bracket that for a second. The, the Because of the consequences of doing something like that, there was a little bit more sobriety around these issues in the 20th century for all of our other failings at that time as a country. Um, the, the vaccine doesn't actually, but it is a private benefit. The, the, the vaccine reduces your chance of, of going to the hospital. You know, the retort then being overrunning hospitals. Hospitals were, again, this is a rhetorical, fee, this is a rhetorical political position. Hospitals were never overrun in this country. No one ever ran out of, we never ran out of ventilators. All of these things were hair on fire the sky is falling, rhetorical political positions that had nothing to do, not nothing, were, were um, catapulted by an actual disease, right? So, I mean, COVID-19 is a real thing. I, I don't deny that COVID-19, COVID-19 is particularly um, dangerous every uh, like decade of life beyond 60, your chances of dying double, right? So, I mean, this is a serious illness for, uh, for uh, particularly for older Americans and then other Americans that with comorbidities. So not denying that, but mm-hmm. your example of a boundary case for throwing out the principle of bodily autonomy, I do not accept as a boundary case. Just because someone says it's a boundary case doesn't make it a boundary case. And and so what that reveals to me is that it is purely a slogan and it is not a principle because all their their rhetoric, the progressive rhetoric around COVID-19 relied upon future harms. Hospitals could become overwhelmed. We could run out of ventilators. We might run out of hospital beds. People who have heart attacks may not be able to be treated. Those are all future harms. Those are all speculative future harms. There is no greater future harm than murder. There is no greater future harm than murder. You, and it's not just a private decision between the mother and the father. Or, it, I mean, it is. I mean, that's sort of where I'm at with you. 
but in fact, there is no future harm to the community than murdering one of the members of that community. And both debates were in the realm of future harms because the current harms were not real. They were rhetorical. They were political. They were not existential. And they they pretended that they were. And so I think, I, I don't know that you would, you'll end up agreeing with this, but I think you have in in defense of your argument, I think you've picked up on this thread, this skein of truth here, which is that it's it was all a slogan for them. That is that's the depth of of progressive political commitment, as it is typically advertised on social media and legacy media, right? I'm not saying every progressive in, in the world. I'm not saying that there aren't people of real principle. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the current, the the kind of overall shape, the pattern is is of, is one of incredibly shallow uh, commitments and really just rhetorical slogans. Stephen? The processing on both ends, the processing. Yeah, I don't think it is totally rhetorical. I think I think you have some people. So can we? I, I no, actually, I don't want to jump in. I actually just want to ask. So can you? Can you be specific? What what piece of what I said? So you know, can we talk specifically about like what about COVID actually made it this existential threat? Okay. What about the way the vaccines work makes it? a boundary case that we should subvert the principle of bodily autonomy? What about the the realm of future harms that were proposed as a consequence makes that different than the future harm um, that is that is an abortion? No fair. Well, I think that the, well, there are lots of things. I think that the, if I were to deal with the most sort of troubling aspect of what you posited. I would have to start with the idea that in the realm of, of quote-unquote future harms that murder is the worst, that's based on this premise that, that the notion that that's based on the premise that there is, that, that is what's occurring. That, so in, in the case of mm. COVID-19 and its effects on the population, you actually did have people, people who were, you know, otherwise running around, shopping, mm -hmm. whatever, not doing that anymore, like dying. Not like dying, dying, going into the hospital and dying. Where in the case of this zygote, disfertilized egg, um, being, being considered... Like, like I feel like you've jumped yeah. though. Okay. I, no, no. I just, I, I'm saying, I, I, I want to try and, I want to try and zero in on, on where we're disagreeing. Mm -hmm. I feel like you've jumped because I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying that people didn't actually suffer and die of, of COVID nineteen. There, there were the, the, the uh, policies that were proposed didn't stop that. So the vaccine didn't stop that for other people. You could take the vaccine for yourself and that would reduce, the evidence has seems to have held up pretty strongly at this point. We're, you know, we're a year and a half in after vaccines. It seems that it, it at least buys you three to six months of, of reduced 
uh, uh, severity of illness. It seem, they, they seem to, to hold uh, the, the mRNA viruses. The, the, actually, AstraZeneca seems to be doing a little bit better on that front. Johnson & Johnson possibly as well. So I, I'm not saying that's not a real, I'm not saying it doesn't work. What I'm saying is that, so that's a current harm, right? So you can take the vaccine. You should, you should do that if you're, particularly if you haven't been exposed or if, if you're vulnerable. And that protects you at, at that moment. But you're not protecting anyone else. No, I get it. No, I get what you're saying, Travis. But I, I think I think part of the problem is that we're also playing a little bit fast and loose with what we knew when. And I know you said that. So, that <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you said. I don't mean to react like that. I'm actually trying to work on. I, I last week when we were talking, I had such a like irritating look on my face when you were. I was like, oh, that's like really. So I'm, I'm actually trying to be work on because I'm very expressive. Like when we're in the middle of conversation, so I'm trying to work on being a little bit more just sort of placid in my in my visage. Well, I, um, I recall that, but I jumped at that one. Like I definitely knew and definitely said so many many times very early on. Right, very early on. But I think our collective knowing. I mean, I know that in the first, like, say. Six months, like I would say sometime in like June, July mm -hmm. of 2020, like our collective knowledge seemed to say was, if we over respond, that will be good. If we, if we do, to, if we, it will, it will look like we've done too much. If uh, um, um, if we but, get to the other, but that was wrong. Seth. Okay, that okay, was wrong. And, okay, fair enough. And I uh, knew, that, and, and I don't, and I, I'm not. I just trying to keep us zeroed in. It's I'm not trying to jump in and, and talk. I really, I promise. What I'm saying is that I, I can't concede that fact because that isn't where I was before the end of 2020. Like I'm not way saying, before. I'm not saying you. And so I'm not saying you. People I'm saying no. Way more than I do, mm -hmm. way more. Pe journalists who get paid six figures a year and work at 200-year-old institutions mm -hmm. could have fucking figured this out okay. and should have figured this out. Okay, but, but this That's is, what I'm saying. Th this is my point. Like The way science generally works is we have these working hypotheses. We operate on the premise of those hypotheses until we figure out something that proves them false. And then we I can't go from there. that one, Seth, because there were scientists that had alternative hypotheses that were shouted down and ostracized. Right, and all I'm saying is that, so you're conflating a political process with a scientific one. Yeah, that happens. I'm not. No, I. Seth, you're you're squirreling away from from what I'm actually saying. Like it, that's not. I'm the politics suppressed the scientific process. The New York. Let me let me get again. I'm trying to be super concrete. Good luck finding an article in 2020 or early 2021 in the New York Times that acknowledged that natural immunity was likely more robust and more effective against a coronavirus in, uh, infection. Good luck finding a New York Times, Washington Post, CNN article in 2020 or early 21 that lockdowns would not do anything to prevent uh mortality from, uh, or would reduce mortalities. Good luck finding an article in any of these. And there absolutely were scientists saying that. They were saying that. Some of them, to the cost of their careers, 
that was politics. That was not the scientific. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to divorce these two because the scientific process cannot itself be divorced from politics. Mm-hmm. Of course, it can't. I mean, any mm-hmm. any you know anyone as an undergrad had to read Thomas Kuhn's structure of scientific Re- revolution. We know that politics infects the scientific process. I don't think that n- n- all three of us would be in loud agreement around that. I know that. So I I again, I, I feel like you are. I use the word squirreling. I don't mean it in a, like you're being squirrely. I mean that like, you're just like, you're, I feel like we're not holding to the point, which is that, which is, which is very concretely, there were professionals that were saying the opposite thing. There were countries who had different policies and the politics of COVID-19 in this country kept that from being talked about. And that's political, not scientific. And it's not an oops, it was intentional. That's what I'm saying. And so I'm saying that makes those people, and my claim is I'm trying to be fairly narrow about it. That makes those people in the media, the kind of the the pundits that are most prevalent amongst progressives, that makes them dishonest, unprincipled brokers. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right, but what I think you're also trying to do is that in this moment of recognizing that those people who essentially, I think you would say, control the narrative around that, mm, um, sure. you're trying to you're you're essentially using them to. I think you're using them to justify, um, uh, uh, making progressives seem like they're unprincipled either um, um, naive bobos or they're charlatans. And I want to say that (laughs) you're bobos. (laughs) Yeah. But but the way you're using, you're using that those people who control the narrative around COVID-19 to sort of punish progressives um, by saying essentially, well, now you have no leg to stand on. And now you have like now that bodily autonomy is clearly shown to be this ruse, this rhetorical strategy. Now what are you going to do when Roe v. Wade gets overturned? Boo-hoo. So I don't I don't feel like I'm punishing. I, I don't have the capacity to punish. I feel like I'm pointing out a self-inflicted wound. And I don't feel and 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 here's the thing. It's a self-inflicted wound on which you can self-operate. Like it would be quite easy for these, for, for, you know, I, I was trying to zero in on the New York times. We could give a laundry list of people who have advanced these arguments, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to not be overly general about it, but there are lots of examples. It would be very easy for many of these people to say, you know what? We fucked up. It was wrong for us to, to push vaccine mandates. It was wrong for us to, um, to judge people's private medical decisions. We see the consequences of what, you know, I, I, let's say it's an individual. I see the consequences of what I did. That was a big fucking mistake. I will, I'm not going to make it again. The principle matters. I'm scared for what the government's going to do, or I'm scared for what some of these states are going to do mm-hmm. and how they're going to regulate women's bodies as a consequence of this. And I feel like I've hurt my own cause by advocating these positions. You know what my responsibility like, fuck, I, met, I fuck up all the time. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I, I feel that. Like, I get it. Like, I, I mess up all the time. And I, 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 can't, I fall short of, of meeting my own principles all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just, I still, I still really struggle 
I get what you, I get your point. Um, but I still really struggle with putting the sort of what I feel like were good faith. You don't feel like they were good faith, but I do. Like there were, there were good faith mm. efforts made on the part of public officials. Some of them, maybe not all, but you know, like well, a lot of them were not actually. This is a Trump administration, and you know. and um, after so and then cronies. I no, mean, no, 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 I know, I know, and I get it. But but there was some. I, I think that there was some good faith efforts on the part of people to understand this disease and get out of in front of it and and protect people from dying. And I don't understand putting that on the same footing as mm. people with religious beliefs who have you know, closely held beliefs that, that abortion equals murder. It's like for me, mm. they're not, um, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not in balance. Like I don't, I don't, I give more credence to people at the beginning of the pandemic were, yeah, they maybe made hair on fire arguments, but it seemed to me that they were good faith arguments. They were trying to find ways to protect people. Whereas the people on the side of the abortion debate who were basically saying it were basically equating more, uh, abortion with murder and not making good faith, um, uh, 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 arguments at all. I mean, their arguments are based on, um, I mean, what I would call superstitions, and um, and they're based on this notion that anything that happens within their purview is something that they should be able to uh, inflect or control, and that's problematic for me. They're just not—they're not on equal footing at all. Um, I do have a response to that. Stephen, I mean, I feel like we've, not I feel like I know Seth and I have talked a bunch and I'd like to give you the space to jump in. I appreciate that. I'm just don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> Occasionally <laughs> you guys would say something and I'd go, yeah, they covered that. Um, or mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, so I'm, I'm issuing mm. that as a, actually just a space to be able to say I'm still processing and not feel like I have mm. to comment. Because I have the form, yeah, or for sure, the platform. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So just yeah, that's disclosure. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's totally fine. I, so I, I don't, um, I don't want to, um, to drag out the conversation longer than longer than is necessary. I do, um, I, I understand that you feel like a lot of that was done in good faith early on, and I probably agree with that early, early on, mm-hmm. for many people, um. I don't know that I agree at all with someone like Fauci, though. I'll give you an example. This is something I I, I just learned the other day. I did not know this. Did you know that? Um, and I I checked this right. The only place. So when it comes to news sources now, I have to end up like reading uh, all kinds of yep. of dross yep. in order to find good information. Um, so you've got to re- so something like the Epic Times, which is, you know, a, a 10 to one ratio of, you know, like the sky is falling, vaccines are killing millions of people, which is nonsense. Um, for one, you know, decent, like, huh, I wonder what that is. Let me follow the links and see what they're talking about. So apparently in one of these examples, following the links to find out what they're talking about, did you know that NIH officials sign on to patents for which they do not do lab work 
and are paid dividends on those patents from pharmaceutical companies to the tune of $350 billion? Government officials. So that means Fauci privately benefits financially from patents that the NIH gives grant money mm-hmm. to fund. That is corrupt Never as hell. Now, it needs to be clear. Th- there is yeah, more transparency. Yeah. And, and was that reported by the New York Times? Maybe, maybe on, maybe buried deep on some page. It's possible. I'm not saying, you know, I wouldn't make a New York Times is a big organization, a lot of reporters. Um, and they have a lot of autonomy, right? So, I mean, you know, maybe someone did write about this. It certainly didn't make it above the fold. It didn't make it uh, into any of the news alerts or anything like that. If that were the Trump administration and something like that was revealed about uh, Trump's um, postmaster general appointment that he privately benefited from, you know, mm-hmm. like taking out all those mailboxes because he was a giant shareholder in FedEx you can believe that that story would have been all over the place. Now, even the the director, uh, whoever the current director is, I forget his name, under testimony before Congress admitted that it seemed like uh, the appearance of corruption, uh, it, that there was, uh, it was clearly appeared uh, that there were, not corruption, he didn't use that word, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm backing off a little bit, but he basically said that he understands that there is a, it looks like there's a glaring conflict of interest. Okay. So, and maybe, and, and maybe, you know, maybe there are all of these internal bulwarks against um, unfair enrichment, but do I believe that? I do not anymore. If you had asked me that two years ago, I would have believed that. But the amount of evidence, I mean, early on that was obvious and apparent to professionals, to epidemiologists, to people who work for the government. I'll give you another example. So just yesterday, the CDC approved the recommendation that that kids five to eleven year old five to eleven years old should get a booster, an mRNA booster, five to eleven year olds. The the New York Times, uh, in an article, uh, Apurva, I forget her her first name, um, said that 4,000 kids had died of Miss C, which is a complication, you know, this kind of inflammatory syndrome that uh, happens as a, as a result of a COVID-19 infection in kids. 4,000 kids had died. 68 have died. The New York Times later in the day had to issue a retraction saying, oh, 4,000 have been infected. That is not the first time that that kind of exaggeration has been Mm -hmm. used by the New York Times to advance COVID hysteria, by this particular reporter specifically, and the New York Times generally. So, but- even even with the minuscule risk that COVID-19 poses to children, and I mean, we're talking like super fucking small, like flirting with zero risk for children, flirting with zero. Even, even with that incredibly low risk, the CDC, the FDA did not convene its advisory panel to judge vac. Uh, there's like an internal committee um, about uh, on vaccine uh, safety. They did not, conv- and it has a bunch of external uh, reviewers on that board. I, I apologize for not 
uh, being a bit more specific, but I don't have the specifics ready at hand. But this is generally how it works. There's a bunch of outside experts on a subcommittee that goes, hey, this in experts in their field, and they go, hey, this is something we would recommend to the board. This is something we would not recommend to the board. And then the FDA says, we'll take that recommendation under advisement. This is how it's worked for decades. They stopped convening that board. They don't do the vaccine safety board anymore. The FDA political appointees just decide whether they are going to uh, recommend, uh, approve. So the FDA approves the shot and says, we approve boosters for five to 11-year-olds. That's their role. They approve it. They don't make recommendations. They say, okay, we approve it. This is safe. This is okay to do. They don't convene the vaccine safety board. The FDA says it's approved. The CDC the next day says, we recommend that five to 11-year-old, 11-year-olds get uh, mRNA boosters. We recommend for a disease that poses zero Near zero, near zero, like floating close to zero risk to children. How is that not a purely political process? Now, I understand that I was the one to control all of those facts, and so I point. I've painted it in in a way that it would be hard for you to say, like, for you to say, like, it is uh, a political process. I get that. I am. My reporting is fairly accurate. I would encourage anyone listening to the podcast to go and check, double check, may see if I've made any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I I haven't, other than maybe in some like little specifics here and there. Like COVID became the politics of the progressive left, and it became that because it, as a as a as a reaction, as a counter narrative to the Trump administration. It was an opportunity. I know, but 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 Seth, when you and I understand that that you, it's I know you're hearing like uh, what I'm saying, but I I do feel, and then I'll kick it back to you, and then I'm happy to change topics because I don't, you know, I, I get into it, but it's not, you know, kind of the die is cast. We are we are where we are. Mm-hmm. In order for in order for me to be moved, you got to give me some specifics about where, like. I've given you specific examples of when professionals knew that this information was not being presented in a transparent fashion. I've given you specific examples of when reporters at major institutions have, at this, I don't know about people's intentions, you know, benign Mm -hmm. intent and all that stuff. So I try not to do that, but it's hard when you see the same thing being done over and over and over and over again, in spite of very loud criticism, to not see some kind of intent behind it. But let's leave the intent aside and just call it carelessness um, or a my side bias or something like that. So I've given specific instances of this. You got to, I mean, in order for me to be moved by an argument here, you've got to come back with some, you've, there's got to be some kind of specifics around like where I'm misrepresenting the 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 position of of, of progressives uh, on this subject well, in the last two years. Well, I I don't have that, because, and I don't have that for some okay. for a very very good reason, which is that I just don't have the bandwidth or the investment in reading all the things that you read. I mean, I I, I and I'm completely okay. telling sure. T- yeah, willing sure. to take you at your word. I just I, I I do want to move on and talk about Jordan Peterson actually, but um, I just happy to. But there's just two things. One is 
um, totally on, totally ready to agree with you that COVID nineteen response, governmental response, and subsequent uh, uh, organizing around um, around. Uh, uh, yeah, organizing other responses to it. It's a political process. I have this just this question about information, though, and 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 when the New York Times fucks up and they issue retraction, does the Epic Times ever issue a retraction? Oh no, I think this is a great point, actually, and I think this is why um, mm. r- why right wing um, and conservative media sources are incredibly suspect and have to be handled with a great deal of care because they're very dishonest around stuff like this. Absolutely, mm. right. completely agree. Okay, cool. Um, and then yeah. the other question I, I have, uh, maybe it's more of a more of an observation, is. Um, they're very much a flood the zone, like that's their thing. So, like that, what they'll do is they just, you know, it's it's. 10, 15, 20 articles on the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. And if they need to make a correction, the 20th article retweets, you know, or kind of tweaks the fact from the first or second article. Oh yeah, so uh, definitely these are not trustworthy institutions at all, at all. Okay, yeah, cool. And then um, I just, I I still, I just, I continue to have a problem with um, the idea that, uh, that, Vaccine mandates were sort of like the hill that progressives died on. I want to say that mm. there were two hills. There was really there was the hill of being anti-vax and being uh-huh. suspicious of any governmental um, guidance guidance around responses to COVID nineteen. That was the hill that conservatives died on. And I so. Yeah, I, I'm. I, of course, the the anti-vax. I'm sorry. Did I, I'm sorry. That's, that, no, that, well, it? just just that they're not. They're, they're, I, I think that they're scaling, or maybe it's the same hill, but they're scaling it from two different. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm, lo- I'm losing touch with the metaphor, but I, I just I want to point out to our listeners that. Um, it's too one-sided in the debate to merely say, to merely, and, and I feel guilty about this because it feels it smacks of sort of whataboutism, which I really don't like. Um, but at the same time, I want to point out that if the if the progressives are dying on the hill of um, uh, arguing for bodily autonomy is just a is just a rhetorical strategy and it's not really a principal position. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, a sort of conservative position of um, you should hate, no, not necessarily hate, but you should at least suspect your government of, of not, um, really caring about your life and well-being. And, um, uh, 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 anything that is, uh, flogged by alternative media, um, although they're again, not actually recognizing that places like Alex Jones and, and Joe Rogan's show aren't really alternative. They're kind of they're rather mainstream because they have that many followers. But anything that goes against a sort of larger, more more mainstream, perhaps, um, or more regulated, um, um, more accountable um, mainstream media 
is worth following simply because it is. Like that kind of logic I find really, really troubling. And, and so I know it's insufficient. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I, and I feel like, you know, we get tossed from sort of one extreme to the other, but that that's not, that's not a good place to end up. Um, I, I last thing I will say is that I'm not conservative though. I've never identified as a conservative. I still don't identify as a conservative. And many of the people that I engage with on social media, um, Mm -hmm. these are not friends, right? I mean, you have have these kind Mm -hmm. of social media relationships that are whatever they are, but you know, I don't, friendship is, is very, um, um, like that's a really substantial thing for me. Like Mm -hmm. if I call, if you're my friend, like, you know, I'd, I'd help you in a, in a gorilla fight. Like that, that's like, that's what friendship means to me. It's like, I don't have a lot of friends, but and that it's very meaningful to me. So you have these kind of social media relationships that many of the people I engage with on social media weren't, as far as I know, don't identify as conservative either. And we're, we're uh, Democrats or liberals or progressives, you know, these terms kind of get jumbled around their whole lives. And what I think has happened is that not in in our conversation? Certainly not. Are um, my friends, and so that we were able to listen to each other. We disagree. You know, we come back. You know, maybe we get frustrated or whatever. But but there's kind of a bedrock there. Um, but in the social media universe, in the media universe, in the cultural universe, which kind of layered on top of these like real human interactions, if you did not identify with these orthodoxies you were cast out you were you were no longer part of the community conservatives did the same exact thing around trump right like if you aren't for trump you're not a real conservative anymore these are these are religious moves these are what these are what religious zealots do like well you're not a true christian like you don't you don't have christ in your heart like that's definitely like (laughs) the first move and it's it's yes and and it's that which I reject forcefully because my principles haven't moved. They haven't. The rhetoric has moved. The politics have moved. And so that's, that's what animates me around this issue. Your criticisms about uh, conservatives and anti and anti-vaxxers and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, uh, we're on the same page with that. Like I, you know, what we what was the thing in Cal? I mean, well, you probably have issues like this in New York too. But in Southern California, uh, there were so many uh, people that were anti-vaxxers in the early two thousands that uh, like measles were making a comeback in yeah. some of these smaller communities Absolutely. here in California. Like, mm-hmm. that's fucking crazy. Like, you should be vaccinating your kid. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know. So, I mean, there's. I agree that I mean those things are are I'm. I'm happy to 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 criticize those things mm-hmm. if if it's something that um that uh we want to talk about. Mm. But because those things are real, that doesn't that doesn't invalidate my criticisms because I was never part of that camp. I will never be part of that camp. I will never identify with those politics. I'm not trying to but I to I mean it's it's we still need to talk about Jordan Peterson, but I'm not trying to invalidate your position at all in any of these things. What I'm trying to, I believe that I'm yeah, trying I to do is, is nuance it and say that, mm. uh, and say that, okay, that may all be well and good that this large scale response to COVID-19 was a political process, but you just have to be careful to not 
put that on the same sort of tier as the political process governing um, what women do with their bodies vis-a-vis -vis abortion. Like that, there, there. I think that there's other things at stake um, with um, uh, a woman's right to choose. That's that. I just want to. Make I that don't. Clear. I, I don't know that I can quite go there with you, but I'm happy to move on from that. So okay. Um. Um. So, uh, Stephen, do you want to, do you want to introduce us to the Jordan Jordan Peterson? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like actually give you a let's a, a volley. Pull this up because I, I needed some notes on this because when you suggested it, I I knew that it happened, but I didn't pay any attention to it because, as I mentioned before the podcast, I've been out socializing and having a great life, and so mm -hmm. him quitting um, Twitter. Wasn't that interesting to me, but I do like the <laughs> ideas around. Well, because he, I do like the he ideas around because he didn't. <laughs> because he didn't quit. That's the yeah. first thing. Hey, right, but but yeah. even more so, when people announce that they're going to do something, I'm like, I'll see you later. Uh, you know. Right, but right, also, right. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, I think when people think, I, I maybe maybe it's me, but I think he overstates his. Not importance, but just like, who cares what you think about some curvy model on the Sports Illustrated issue? So apparently, a lot of how many thousands of people have responded to the tweet? I don't know. He's got a lot of followers. Oh, you mean so it's on He's both sides though, and also all the criticism yeah. wasn't from the left. It was actually some folks who were his fans who said, "Lay off." My wife looks like this. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's like, calm it's down, like, it's like, take a dollar back. You know, so. Jordan I mean, Peterson. But, oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, no. Go ahead, Stephen. I'm, I'm interrupting you. Please. No, no problem. I was thinking about um, when I was looking for his line, which I thought was so interesting to me. Which is, mm. oh, so when he saw the on Monday, he um, said this: "Sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian <laughs> uh, mm. tolerance is going to change that." And I'm like, who? Mm. Like, okay, so I know that I have things in my head, right, that are telling me <laughs> to do stuff, and I'm like, going, okay. <laughs> But I often, you can audition those things and go to somebody and go, no, no one's talking to you. No one gives a fuck about what you're doing, Stephen. You know, and so that idea to me, the the hubris behind this idea that yes. I was like, yes. you don't even understand what authoritarianism is then. You don't right. understand that. No one's making you do anything. You were not required to make a comment about this. You were not but, required mm -hmm. to find her beautiful. But then... Yeah. You want to, you're a troll. You want to be on Twitter. That's what tro right. all trolls want to be on Twitter. The troll, trolls are going to troll and they need to have a mm. space to troll. Amen. Which is why, mm. which was it the truth and parlor and all these other places where people go. Truth social and parlor. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where they go to agree with each other, but not really because they're all nuanced there too. Quite as is kept. But you want a group <laughs> of people who are going to um, not sit with an idea for more mm -hmm. than two seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember something he said. He says he'd been off of Twitter for a while and he was feeling good. And then he came back and he felt terrible. And I'm listening to him and I'm like, I'm trying to give him some space to be a human. No one mm -hmm. wants to be trolled on Twitter or any other social media um, place mm -hmm. and to be talked down to or, but I'm like, the thing is with certain characters, they don't want to cop to any accountability. So I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah. you're not a fair mm -hmm. player. So you start mm -hmm. arguments and then you want to take your ball and go home. Mm -hmm. I mean, this yeah. initially it was like, fuck you. <laughs> but there is so <laughs> much, actually I say, I don't know why I even put initially, fuck you. You, 
play, you're playing this game. You come with, it was like, come with your arguments, come with your perspective. But you're like, it's, it's, an, it's so nonsensy nothing. But one thing I really got out of it and was talking with a friend this morning about this is this idea of people not holding their, their, their um, take on something. They mm. just like mm. automatically da 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 da. And it's like, well, mm. like what you do, Seth, which is you are critiquing art. You have to sit with it. You have to think about mm-hmm. it. You might mm-hmm. have some initial mm-hmm. things about it, but it may be tomorrow you sleep on it and go, you know what? Mm-hmm. I didn't consider this, or this is some mm-hmm. new information here. Let me think about this. And so mm-hmm. hot mm-hmm. takes are not the greatest thing in the universe. In fact, at times they can be <laughs> the thing you di- the hill you die on. And I'm like going, mm-hmm. that's not the hill yeah. I'm dying on. Who gives? My thing is, look, Jordan Peterson, anyone who announces that they're going to do something as if it were this big proclamation, and this is what he said. He, um, I'm sure you both read it. The endless flood of vicious mm-hmm. insult is really mm-hmm. not something that can be experienced anywhere else. I like to follow people I know, but I think the incentive structure of the platform makes it intrinsically and dangerously insane. So I told my staff to change my password. Motherfucker, you can change your password. Knock it off. To keep me from temptation. <laughs> temptation, it just goes back to this idea of the little I know about Jordan Peterson about regulation and um, you know gender roles and this and something like going... Uh, and so I'm departing once again. Let me finish. And I'm departing once again. And if I have something to say, I'll write an article or make a video. If the issue is not important enough to justify that, then perhaps it would be be best just to let it go. And I'm like, you didn't have to say nothing about this woman. You just didn't. You did. And also, if yeah. you did, that's your right to. But you also have to be accountable for what you do. Right. So, some Absolutely. people like had like some funny. Like being a child. Funny, but that's the thing, though. I can tell you things. Freedom for me, but not for you. That's how. That's where I ended up. I was just like, yeah. okay, Jordan. Um, okay. You don't like this woman. Yeah, okay. I, I, but big deal. Who cares? Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I think that's absolutely right. The. 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 I. The thought, like the the idea that Jordan Peterson didn't know when he put that tweet out about the just announced swimsuit cover model. Mm-hmm. The idea that he was not going to get backlash from that is, it's just, it's not believable. It's not, it's not this believable. is not a believable Agreed. thought process or lack of a thought process. There's no way Agreed. he couldn't have seen that reaction coming. Like and I, the, the the tweet was meant to elicit that reaction. The point that's the point. He wanted that reaction. He wanted, but yeah. he didn't want the consequences, right? Like yeah. like he didn't want to feel all that all the feels. And I want to I want to say to you know I don't I don't have a considered opinion about Jordan Peterson at all. I really don't. I've heard him say some things that honestly in these lectures that he gives, I've, I've, I've I think I've listened it on a YouTube. A rendition of one or two. And I mm. thought, and it was maybe 10 minutes. I thought he's getting up and with great, uh, 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 seriousness, uh, mm-hmm, proposing mm-hmm. some things that are rather obvious. <laughs> like, like I want to say, uh, that's wow. not like I, I was listening to him and I said, like, oh, that's not particularly insightful, but okay, great. Like, you know, uh, mm. Uh, I guess you know level one yoga. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people who'll take it, right? The filter, yeah, um, there you go. right, right through but, that lens, Good. But, right? Yeah. But this thing of saying something 
and then taking your ball and running away and saying, no, 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 you can't, you can't play with me anymore. Like that's, that's, that's an adolescent response. It's fucking adolescent. Isn't he the alpha male? Isn't he an alpha male who ate a bunch of uh, red meat, ended up getting sick, but he's this thing where people want a particular kind of image of themselves in the world uncontested. Yes. Yes. And I'm thinking, well, show up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Jordan Peterson and I, and I, I do think, um, cause I have, um, acquaintances, uh, and mm-hmm. a friend who like Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've given him, I think a fair hearing <clears throat> for myself, mm-hmm. you know, sort of not all of his ideas, certainly by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I do think, he probably does some good for a certain segment of the population mm-hmm. um, uh, in the Western world. I think, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and you have people attesting to this who are are very grateful for the kind of lessons, you know, sort of, you know, like uh, make your bed in the morning, you know, right. like uh, <laughs> keep yourself, your you know, keep your, your yeah. you keep your nails trimmed neat and, you know, your hair camped, this kind of stuff, which are <laughs> things that <clears throat> are, um, are critically important for people to learn when they're kids um, because it helps you, it helps you understand like how to comport yourself in the world with your head held high. These are important things to learn. And lots of people don't learn them uh, because we have a very uh, fractured and heterogeneous society. So I mm-hmm, think for those mm-hmm. people, he can be super helpful for sure. I think he's less, of a positive influence and impact when it comes to his, his cultural and religious criticisms. <clears throat> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I think he's reached the status of fame or notoriety, depending on where you're at politically, because his interlocutors and his antagonists are mm-hmm. operating at such a middling level. Mm. So a oh, lot well of the said. arguments he has well to knock, said, yeah. a lot of the arguments he has to knock down are are very like paper thin arguments that on the barest of scrutiny would, would fall apart, but they're what's captured the popular imagination. And And so he, he's a combatant in, in that, in that arena. Yeah. Yeah. And he reminds me of Ben Shapiro. Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of people who you would want Mm. to, not who you would want to, I would say there are a lot of people I I want to the nuance. That's the approach I want. Right. I want to say, okay, Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson has, Okay, make your bed. That's a good thing. Okay, what you said up over here mm-hmm. is kind of stupid. But to have my mind is want my mind and my heart want to be in that space all the time. I always don't want to go to my biases or always go to my political affiliation or go Absolutely. to this because I don't feel right. like I can hear well or even like be generous, right? And I remember mm. a while ago, maybe about a year or so ago, you'd said, Travis, that um you know, there were some things about Jordan Peter that you um, that he said that you liked. And I remember going, what the fuck would he say? And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's <laughs> what I was consuming at the time. Even the stuff where there wasn't a commentary, it was to be Jordan Peterson speaking. I'm like, where are you at? You're in a classroom and you are everywhere. You're in ancient Egypt at one point, and then you're down the street at the abortion clinic. <laughs> I, where the fuck are you? And I was like... I don't understand where you're going and I don't understand your appeal. And I don't think you're very intellectual. I think that you have some information 
and that you, um, I don't understand how you're processing it. So that, and then I was like, you know what? It's not for me. Let me move you know on. what, you know what I, you know what I'd love to do is like, we should have a, I, I'm, I went from what I would love to do to we should really quickly. I don't know if you know this stuff, but that was like, that was like zero to 60, like a second. Um, I would love to have a conversation. I want to be directive about this, but I would like to talk about like who we actually think are real intellectuals in our culture right now. Like who, oh, and, and, and when we, and when we talk about that, I want to talk, I, like that. I want to ask, what makes them that? Like, what? Who are the public intellectuals right now worth mm-hmm, li- mm-hmm. worth listening to? Oh, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but the worth listening to part that that qualifier bothers me because you might have an intellectual yeah. that you don't like, you know, but you're like, uh, well, you know, they may not be a Ben mm-hmm. Shapiro, yeah. but there might be someone that you respect but just don't align your values with. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a hard one. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think someone I really respect, but whose values don't align with mine. Someone I really respect. Wow, that's kind of tough. Ooh. But it's exciting as an idea. It's a, a thought experiment, right? To kind of, not even a thought experiment, mm. but just to find that person or people. I mean, he, for, that, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it would be, um, I mean, he he's dead now, but I mean, just recently, Antony Scalia. So I do not, okay. I mean, his, his uh, worldview is not one that I share on most issues, mm-hmm. uh, but absolutely respect his... Uh, his ability to articulate his positions mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, his commitment to them for sure. I was thinking Ooh, like, fair. we're not talking about Kelly Conway, right? You know, we're talking about someone, <laughs> right? <laughs> like for example, I thought, and he passed away too, Stanley Crouch. He was a cultural critic, jazz critic. Mm. But yeah, I yeah, read this stuff and good go, one. oh no, this yeah. guy can write, but you started out yeah. making a pie, but you ended up with the cake. How did this happen? Yeah, no, he, what yeah, he's, did a, you he was a, he's a, he was Sorry. a bully. Oh, yeah, he was I mean? and a misanthrope. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it was funny to read this stuff, but then go, but why are you so bitter? And so his papers are at the Schomburg Center. I wouldn't mind reading some of them. And I know that he started mm. out on a different road. And the kind of person mm. he ended up becoming was interesting to me because he was the an authorized, self-authorized, but then also given awards to denigrate Black people and Black culture. But there was only one culture that was worth what he liked. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, boo. But then I would see him give talks mm. or like comment about something. I was like, why is Stanley Crouch the most, um, the, the correct in the, the, why am I agreeing with him rather than these other people I think I'm agreeing with, but I agree with what he said. So he can make insightful yeah. commentary. And at times, uh, you know, not so much, but <laughs> he's somebody I hold yeah. with nuance. Yeah. You know, that I, have, I think I have most of his books, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, um, oh, oh I yeah. know I know of one. Yes, I got it. Cornell West, because <laughs> Cornell okay. West, actual okay. intelligent man. Um, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know about his philosophy work, and I know that that's his primary sort of training. And it, and, it was before. I mean, he doesn't. He hasn't produced serious philosophy in decades. But, right. I mean, wow. certainly mm-hmm. that is where he started. But 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 I've seen him go on Tucker Carlson. You know, with his starch white shirt and his cufflinks. I mean, his, I admire that outfit, um, by the way, but go ahead, yeah. And, and, 
and his gesticulation, <laughs> and he'll and he'll say, and he'll say Tucker, but it's that it's that you know we're brothers in 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 the cause of of social justice, and 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 we come from this fount of love, and and, and he go and he'll go on and on <laughs> like that, and I'm sure, like yeah, yeah. he looks like somebody's crazy uncle, like I like I really honestly mm-hmm. I I want like I respect. She just, you know, so now I'm like taking it but back. Yeah, he was. He, we, but when he's he a talks gatekeeper, about, though, and like, that's what bothers me. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, when he, t- he well, when he talks about like when he, he goes into like Jesus and like how um, <laughs> like like the only ways that we can actually come together is to see each other as brother and sister. I'm like, motherfucker, we can't even see each other as human beings. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you, 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 he's he's kind of the the. the the drunk uncle like i just i just want to say come on so, like stop drinking whatever you you stop hitting the sauce just sober up or maybe well, better would be like that. we should all be drinking what he's drinking so oh my god oh my god oh, I, okay okay i can show up for that that's kind of cool oh goodness yeah. Um, yeah all right so let's uh, i mean I think we're probably coming up on time actually. So, uh, but yeah, i'm that's i'm good for that being our next conversation so we'll we'll uh I don't know, two or three, if we can come up with it, intellectuals that we think are worth our time. And I like Stephen's uh, uh, nuance that, you know, let's try and come up with someone that, you know, we we don't agree with uh, necessarily. Um, I, I think that's a good one. The, um, the, by the way, was is it too much to ask at the tail end of this thing to have you all, both of you, weigh in on this Yumi new thing? I mean, what did you, is it is it too much to ask to, for you the to what say thing? what you actually think about about you to actually think about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. I mean, I did you think about I her at no all? No thoughts. No. Okay. I didn't know about I it until I until uh, I. Well, I guess I saw the Jordan Peterson tweet before mm-hmm. you sent the email around. So I mean, I saw okay. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I did because Nicholas Taleb had commented on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it. So I think Peterson's take is deeply ignorant because health standards and beauty standards are not equivalent. Precisely. I mean, there's there's all kinds of oh. cultural standards of beauty that have absolutely nothing to do with health at all. Right. And so, right. you know, I um, I had made a comment on on social media on Twitter about lotus feet, Chinese foot binding. Oof. You know, this was considered beautiful uh, in in China mm, and you know mm. the mid part of the uh, the 20th, or not mm-hmm. the 20th century, but yeah, 15, 14, 15, 16th century. Definitely not healthy, right. like super bad. They had to break the feet, like really awful. Break the feet, yes. And then, you know, of course, yeah, I mean, you walk through uh, a museum and look at Renaissance painting. And I mean, you know, sort of the way women were depicted, this kind of zoftic sort of, uh, much closer to, honestly, the cover of the current uh, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Mm-hmm. I mean, much more like her body type. Uh, and all there are points in history where that kind of, um, what we would call obesity was a sign of beauty because it signaled opulence and wealth. Exactly. And comfort. It was like it, there were ads at the turn of the 20th century in magazines, how to gain weight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. use this to gain yeah. weight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a, that's yeah. a blink ago, a blink, mm-hmm. a blink ago. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So, so it was a, it was a deeply ignorant comment on his part. But it's also, um, it's, I think it's also this thing where, I think we're, we're just as a culture, we're having trouble with real difference. I mean, I think we're having trouble with like that yeah. notion of, I think, uh, to borrow your phrase, it's not really yours, Travis, but marketplace of ideas. I think we really have trouble with this idea that 
the notion that we can look out and see things that don't comport with our worldview at all, and they are being celebrated by other people. And we're like, wait a minute, why are you celebrating that? You shouldn't be celebrating mm-hmm. that. And, yeah. and, 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 and our world goes all squirrely. But um, it doesn't have to, that's though. The case. But it I doesn't know. have to. It's like, I it's not my taste. You. And also, why doesn't it, like, the camera turn around and go, so why? So does it, it goes, mm. that shouldn't exist versus mm. why do you feel this way about it? And that was my thing. I was like, so mm-hmm. you don't like women who are curvy or, or we don't know what the fuck you really think because it's just a tweet, mm. you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah. but we didn't have a conversation. We had a tweet. And so mm-hmm. that's another problem. Yeah. The things, they replacing conversations, which is what I was getting at earlier on this idea of holding a thought longer than two seconds before you express it. You know, when do you have a moment to kind of think about what he said this like I think that this notion of woke and pushing back on um, standards of beauty and other things are really good for, but they've always existed. Now we have more of a public forum to talk about these things, and the ideas are catching right. fire. And I think right. that people yeah. who want things to remain a particular way in the world, which is so to me anti-life, and what I mean by that is everything's always changing. Everything mm-hmm. is always changing. Your brain probably mm-hmm. wants to love more. Your heart probably wants more. But if you're saying that men and women need to do this. And these people right here are just making their lives up as they go along and need to be over there. It, it feels like you aren't, you're not capable of maturing or evolving, you know. Mm, and I, I, I'll, mm. I'll stand, that's a hill I'll die on. Because mm, I'm listening yeah, to you yeah. and going, what does it matter if that mm. person looks like that? And who are you to be the center of the motherfucking universe thinking you have a right to say this? Or no, you can believe mm. in what you want. And you can say what you want, but you should be held accountable for that. That's what I want to say. And I said it before, but mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Same page. Cool. Same page. And on that note. All right. Um, Alrighty, good people. Okay. Well, as always. Yeah. Good talking to you guys. Yeah. All right. Great. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.